don't sell just tell your story. That's exactly what it is. So even with the presentation framework that I teach, it's really based on storytelling, right? So instead of telling people the seven top tips about writing, you share a story using the example. See, as writers, you guys already share stories, right? So that's actually the easy part for you. So if you take the word selling out of your head and put the word sharing in instead, then really what you're doing is just sharing stories of people who you've been able to help with the skill that you have. And from doing that, people are, are sold. What if I told you that as a freelancer in a service-based business, you don't have to get on calls with clients and sell yourself super hard or do any cringy sales or closing techniques. Well, that's why I'm so excited to bring you this interview with Niala. She is somebody who mentors service-based business owners on how to get high paying clients by using their unique story and background in a way that just feels really natural, authentic, and organic. I'm so excited for her energy to rub off on you the way it did on me. And I'm so excited to bring you this interview. So let's just jump right into it. Make sure you hit that subscribe button below so you can see more interviews like this. Let's just jump right into it. Tell me a little bit about your background, where you come from, and how you got into business coaching. I work with two specific people. So one, I love to help coaches with structuring their business, deploying strategies and systems to allow them to grow. And then two, I love to work with service providers who want to get paid more for what you know instead of what you do. And again, that's because you know my background, being a hair salon owner, taxes, like I've always trade time for dollars. I grew up in a family that always told me that as long as I knew how to do something with my hands, I'll always be able to make money. But we're in a new world now, right? Where it's not only what you do with your hands, but it's what you know in your head. And so I help you take what you know out of your head and productize that thing in a coaching program that you could get paid, you know, good money. So originally from Brooklyn, New York, I like to always share this part of my story. I'm actually a fourth generation business owner, and I'm also the first person in my family to be born in America. So my family is original, originally from Trinidad and Tobago, and my great grandmother was a business owner, one of the first women to get a seat at the table in our country. And so I am just proud to come from that type of background and family lineage. And so I was born around business. I was born around business. I feel like I was prepped to be a business owner, but made so many wrong decisions on my journey that I end up getting the opposite. But yes, I've been in the business world for a long time. I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years, full-time since 2012. And I got into business coaching after losing my hair salon business and being introduced to the coaching industry from somebody that was in my downline in a network marketing company that I joined. So I stumbled upon the business coaching industry. What were the businesses in your family, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, of course not. So we had like a restaurant, a store. When you are growing up in the West Indies, a lot of times it's like collar jobs, you know, like a plumbing store where we sold parts and stuff. So we had about five different businesses. I wasn't raised there. I was in America. But whenever I went down to visit 
that that's what I saw. My great grandmother took care of the restaurant. My uncle took care of the plumbing shop and our, our animals, you know, and we just did a whole bunch of different things. Now we own a club. So we still own a club, you know, in Trinidad. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that you have that entrepreneurship kind of like running in your blood in that sense. Yeah. Um, no, you are first generation. I'm first generation as well. My father is from Poland. So oh, nice. yeah. So it's always interesting growing up when your parents were not born in the U.S. I feel like it's a little bit different than the average. Oh, American. Wow. I say like a lot more expectation. You know what I mean? Like you were raised differently. So even though you were born in America, it's like you go to school and you're around all the American kids. They talk a certain way. They share their stories and you're like, okay, my house is completely different, (laughs) you know? And so that's what it was like for me. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think even for me, like money, it depends which country you, your parents come from and what the economic situation is, but just my father came from a really poor part of Poland. So the way money was like spoken about, and I guess like the programming that I received about money and how it works, I think a lot of my journey is about undoing a lot of that and mm. not having that kind of like scarcity mindset. Like what, what was it like for you in terms of the money. messages? Yeah. The messages you received about money. For me, it was a little mixture. So for me, we, number one, I'm like you. So I did come from one of the poor areas of Trinidad. However, my grandmother was a dreamer. My great grandmother was a dreamer. And so she started off by doing community sports, like sports for the kids in the community. That's how she started off her business. She knew that even though we were in the, what they would call is the ghetto, we weren't going to be a ghetto family. So we were like in the ghetto, but like the family you want to be a part of, if that made sense. Like everyone wants to come to our house. We had all the things happening. I feel like if I had some sort of scarcity too, meaning I was taught to work hard, like nothing was going to come easy. Do you understand? So you might make a little bit of money, but you're going to work for it. 20 times harder. And so I think that that's the type of mindset that I got. And then I also feel like I was blessed because when my mom came to America, my mom wanted to continue what my great grandmother started, but in America. So she went to school for accounting and my mom is a CPA. So I was raised around money. I started learning how to do taxes when I was 13 years old, working in my mom's tax practice. And so my mom always talked about investing in money. So, but it's like, that's why I said it's a mixture because she came from a ghetto more than me. Do you you know what I mean? So it's like, even though she talked about money and she was in a financial industry, I feel that she still came from a place of scarcity. You know, everything was money didn't grow on, money's not going to grow on trees, Niala. You, You know, so it was still, you know, I just feel like I was blessed because I was exposed. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And like the whole theme of this episode is triumphing through trials. And I think that's really key for anyone who's listening to this podcast or this YouTube episode, because so many people dream of breaking free of the nine to five and becoming self-employed and not feeling trapped. But what I notice, especially as someone who I'm a course creator, is that 
the steps and knowing what to do is only one small part of it. Whereas the belief that you can actually get out there, do it, sell yourself confidently, raise your prices, all of these things come down to mindset and overcoming those mindsets. So talk to me a little bit about how you think what you've been through in your life has impacted your mindsets today and how successful you've become. Oh yeah. I think like everything I've been through in my life, it can be summed up in one word, which is resourcefulness. So like I said, I, you know, yes, I, I use a, um, like a phrase and I say positioned for riches, but pushing for rags, because I feel like my story was positioned for riches. You're going to learn this. We're going to talk about this. You're a business. You come from a family and, you know, but I was pushing to fit in. I was pushing to, to, to be a part of the crowd. And I ended up going into a group home at a young age. My mom was like, okay, you're not going to live in this house doing what you're doing. That's it. And I ended up being sent to a group home, which changed my life. Right. And so now I became that child that went AWOL at 17, got pregnant at 18, was living in a room for rent, had to figure things out, had to get resourceful because now I'm a teenage mom, a single mom, and I got to take care of myself. So I got a job and then, you know, being that I came from business, I always saw my mom in network marketing companies while she was running her tax practice. So I was like, I'm going to join a network marketing company too. And this is going to help me make some extra money because I don't want my child to grow up like me. That's what I always said. I want to give her better. And so that's, that's the mindset that I approached business. And up until this day, even though now, yes, I own a seven-figure company, I'm very successful in my business. However, I still believe that resourcefulness is needed if you want to grow, right? Even if you are working a full-time job and you're like, listen, I want to be able to leave my job eventually. I want to be able to see my dreams happen. It's going to take you getting resourceful. It's going to take you going to your nine to five job and still coming home and still sitting in front of that computer and doing two or three hours and putting in the work the same way that you would do at your job. And I feel like that's what my journey taught me is to be resourceful, be relentless, you know, want it so bad that you're willing to do anything legally. <laughs> I agree. And I think resourcefulness is probably the number one thing that can project somebody who wants to become self-employed and wants to become a service-based business because really a lot of what this is, is being able to find the answers because there's no one to give it to you. Mm. So, and even as somebody who puts so many free resources online, I get so many questions that I honestly think can be quickly Google searched. And I always say this, you have to be the type of person who will do the research on your own and find an answer sometimes before you go and ask someone. Like yeah. for example, if you're a freelancer and you go to ask your client something to complete the work, yeah. try to go and do the research and get the answers on your own. Because even if you don't get it, you want to come to your client and say, I looked at all of these options. I, I researched, I saw this, this, and this, but I still can't figure this out. That will be much more appreciated and will go long, you know, go a long way with a client because it shows that you, you were resourceful. You went and you found the answers or you at least tried. Yeah. 
that I agree with that. And I feel like just from like with you being someone who's online as well, right? And watching people will place orders. This is a prime example. People will place orders and let's say an email don't get to them in the one second before they say, you know, let me check my spam. And this is simple stuff I'm talking about. They would go and spend the time to write a long email to customer service. And it, you know, that's an example of the mindset that you have when you're stepping into leadership and you're being a CEO. You know, when you're in a, someone's job, you're not the CEO. You, whether you come to work or not, that business is still going to run. You will be replaced if you decide that you no longer want to work here. But when you are running your own company, you got to put on them thinking caps. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is it. And then imagine when you start, when you grow, because you will grow, right? And imagine when you start growing and hiring, people are looking to you for the answers. So you got to get resourceful if you want to be successful. Totally. I want to ask you, so when you were in the group home, it's interesting because I I relate to your story because growing up, I had, I was not in a group home and I wasn't out of my house, but I had kind of like a, that really troubled, like teenage years where I was acting out and getting into trouble. And my parents were so fed up with me. And my question for you is, so if you had just continued down the path, obviously you, certain things had to happen for you to become, for, for you to get in a group home. And you see a lot of people just continue on that trajectory, but instead you went totally opposite and were determined to make something of yourself. And I'm interested to know what do you think that turning point was, or like that pivotal moment where you're like, no, I'm not going to keep doing this. I, I got to do better. You know, the truth is the it's, it's, I teach storytelling. So I believe in moments. However, I also believe in smaller moments that lead to a big moment that became that defining moment. So for me, it was years of finding myself in certain experiences and, and where I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? This is not what my life is supposed to look like. This is not what I'm supposed to be going through every day, right? Because again, I did not see, you know, growing up in a group home for me was difficult, okay? Because I felt like I didn't belong at home but then I also felt like I didn't belong in a group home because when I got there, it was like I was around other children that may have, you know, been through molestation or other things that, you know, we hear about that children face in these homes. That wasn't my case. I came from a middle class home. And so for me, you know, the kids would say that I was uppity, that I thought I was all of that, you know, and that made me have like a chip on my shoulder. When I came into business at a young age, it was like, I didn't feel like I belonged. Does that make sense? And so I started making certain decisions in my life. And every time I would find myself at a stumbling block, it would be something in the back of my head that would be saying, Niala, this is not what life is supposed to look like, you know? And so I ended up in an abusive relationship. And after one fight, that was a defining moment for me where I ended up in a situation where again, you know, as a strong independent woman who comes from such a strong line of women, I didn't think that, like, I couldn't figure out how I ended up here. You know, and as a matter of fact, I always share this part of my story because while I was going through this, I was a hair salon owner. So I was going to my salon, opening my doors every day 
and doing people hair and then dealing with this stuff when I came home at night and embarrassed because I'm this businesswoman. How could you be this businesswoman and this strong woman and have this person treating you like this? Well, that was my defining moment. That was my defining moment. I sat in my salon one day after that fight. The next day I came in my salon and I sat there that morning by myself. And I said that that will be the last day that I would ever stay in that position. And it was the last day I stayed with that guy who happens to be one of my children's fathers. But it was my last day with him. It opened the door to me meeting my husband a few weeks later. Like my whole life changed around in just a decision. That's why I always tell people, hey, make decision, make make a decision, stick with it. Because I made a decision that that was it. However, it was small moments that led up to that big decision. That's the point that I'm trying to make is that, yes, we have defining moments. But please understand that you have those fighty senses and those little voices that's talking to you sometimes years before you actually make a decision. And that's what happened to me. Yeah, it's like the the breaking point mm-hmm. that had so many little inklings that were either ignored or you just couldn't act on it at the time because you just it just wasn't your time and your journey to act on it. But then once you kind of have that epiphany moment, it's like there's no going back. Yep. (laughs) That is exactly it. That is exactly. And even though I faced so many other troubles and trials since then, I never went back. I've never been back in that position. You know what I mean? So it just goes to show you that when you make that decision, that's what, that's what's missing. It's us being resourceful and us making the decisions and being committed to the decisions that we make. Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting because I've been thinking so much about like identity and like what makes people actually take action. And it's like, sometimes we just, we keep screwing up or we keep doing the same thing, even though we don't want to, but we have this vision of this person who doesn't do these things. Mm. And sometimes we just have to take little tiny actions that are more consistent with that person versus who we feel we are right now. Cause like I mentor writers who want to be able to charge really high rates and leave their nine to five job and confidently speak to clients. But they're like, I am horrible at selling myself. I am introverted. I hate calls. I don't think I'm worth that much. So there's all that stuff. And there's no like magic bullet. And there's so much like self-help stuff out there. It's like, just believe in yourself. But like, that's really not how we function as humans. Like, it's almost like we, we have to take just one or two little actions towards being that person we eventually hope to be. Yeah. You know, there's a book I just finished reading. I've read it so many times, but I literally, it's January's book. So I've just finished discussing this called Atomic Habits. And in this book, he taught, the writer talks about the idea of shifting the identity and becoming the person who does those things. So for example, just using help as an example, he said in the book that, you know, if you want to be someone who lives a healthier life, right, who, you know, ask yourself, what does a healthy person do when they wake up in the morning? How does a healthy person eat? What stores do they shop at? You know, like actually starting to see yourself as that new identity. But another thing that he talked about in that book, and I recommend that book to anybody who's listening, is he talked about 1% changes, 
right? And I think that's what you're talking about, right? Like making those small, stop looking at the big mountain. And people do that all the time because we're creators, we're dreamers. We want so much. So we look at the mountain, right? And we're like, I want a million dollar business. And you know, but it's like, could we just make a hundred? Could we get one person to buy your article from us? You know, and so I think that that's the point of the 1%, making those small changes and being committed to those small daily changes, which will lead up to bigger changes. And a year from now, you'll turn around and you'll be that identity that you, you, you're you saying now that you want to be, you know? So that, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. thrown that up on the screen, that book, Atomic Habits, because that's such a popular book. I've read yep. it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you go about getting your clients. So obviously my audience is freelance writers who are trying to get writing clients. And yep. I'm curious your thoughts about that. Listen, you know, I'm probably, let me not say this. I'm going to just give you guys my thoughts, okay? I believe in speaking. I believe the best way to get someone to believe and trust that you are the person that can help them in whatever area as a writer, the best thing is to speak. I mean, I would say that just you guys watching us right now, listening to us right now, you're probably developing a deeper sense of trust with this brand, right? Because you're listening, because you get to see her every time she shows up. And that's the idea. So my marketing strategy that I stand behind is presentation, whether it's on or offline. It's actually the easiest way to sign clients, right? And so let me give you an example. Let's say, let's say you're someone who's like, listen, y'all, look, I don't want to learn social media. I don't got time to be putting out all this content, but I still want to be able to get some writing clients. All right. Well, imagine if you were to do an offline strategy. Imagine if you were to go to a site like Meetup or Eventbrite and search some keywords in the niche that you're trying to write for and look for some meetups and local events that's getting ready to happen in your area. Then go and click on the person, the host of the event and write them and say, hey, I write about whatever your topic is, right? Let's say you do, you want to start a business writing blogs for lawyers. So you'll go into the event, right? Or meetup and you'll look up for lawyer events for lawyers. You'll write the host and you'll say, hey, I do content writing for lawyers and I would love to come for free, free, pay attention, free and teach some tips on how lawyers can write better to get more 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 clients. Of course they're going to be like, yeah, cuz it's free and because I need to bring some valuable content to my group of lawyers. So now you go out and you teach a presentation. You don't sell anything. You just teach your hot tips and your framework on how they could write better content to get clients for their law firm. At the end of that presentation, I guarantee that you will have 5% of the people in the room to pull you over and say, hey, do you provide this as a service for firms? So that is the strategy that I follow because it is the easiest. It, you know, Now, not to say that social media content isn't great. I do it. I, I, I love it. Not to say that 
advertising isn't great. I do it. I love it. However, I know who I'm speaking to. And I'm speaking to entrepreneurs who are right now working a full-time job, who do not have the time to put in to learn this online space. And it's going to take you rolling up your sleeve and learning some things if you want to soar in this online space. So the strategy that I'm giving you is a strategy that will eliminate all that frustration, put you right in front of your hungry audience so you can get some clients now. And then what you do is you take 15% of that money and you start putting it into learning or hiring the people who could build out funnels and build out ads and all the things that you want to do. So that's what I would tell someone who wants to start right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, my wheels are turning because I'm like, how can I implement that with my situation? And that's a genius idea that I just have not thought of. <laughs> yeah, do it. And there, you know, there's so many sites, right? Not only meetup, there's, there's Eventbrite, there's meetup, there's Facebook events, there's what's this other site that j- it just left me, but it, it's basically social sites. Okay. But it's local. So what you do is when you get into these apps, you put in your zip code and then the app will show you all the nearby events that are happening. Like even right now, as we are doing this interview, it is Tuesday, January 10th. And there is a weekly business networking meetup that happens at the diner about three miles from my house every Tuesday. So if I wanted right now to get in the room with people who are business owners who would, you know, love to hire my agency or join my coaching, they're right there. And yours are right there too. My clients use this strategy to sign clients consistently without dealing with the tech overwhelm and social media frustration. Now, that's not to say that we don't set up systems because I believe in it, but I just believe that you know, you guys have to think strategically. When you come in this space, you're going to hear so much advice. You got to have discernment in what you're listening to. You understand? And you need to start off with profit. Okay, look at this. Put, okay, people and then profit, okay? So what does that say? That says, in order for me to make money, I need people to sell to. And once I get in front of those people, then I can make profit. And you need to make profit before you start trying to create more expenses. And that's where a lot of people go wrong, it's where I went wrong. And it's where most people go wrong when they start a business. You have to make money first. So go where it's the easiest way to make money. Don't make it hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's so key. I'm actually reading this book called Profit First by Mike. I love that book. Yeah, (laughs) I've I've heard of it. I have this rule. If I hear a book mentioned more than three times, I have to go and buy it. So like I'll hear it once, I'll add it to my Amazon list. And then then I'm like, okay, screw it. And I always hear people talking about Profit First and I'm only like a little ways through, but it's so good so far. (laughs) I really like that strategy though. I think because it's... Okay. So the tactic I teach is really just cold pitching to, you know, you know, find your target accounts, reach out to them with a good cold pitch that shows that it's personalized, but it's something that you have to do at at a pretty high volume to get results. The numbers gang. Yes. Especially if you're new and I specialize in that because I have a sales background and I did start my service-based business via cold pitching, but going in person and kind of meeting face to face and building that initial connection 
is like the equivalent to sending 25 cold pitches, just that relationship that you're going to build of somebody getting to know you and hear you speak and see you face to face. It is like incredibly, incredibly powerful. So I really love that. Yeah, I think the cold pitching is a really good strategy because I started like that too. So I think it's a great strategy, but you're right. It is a numbers game. So you do have to get a lot of volume research, you know, on your target audience. But it's all for me, I feel like a well-rounded business is going to be able to touch different touch points, have different touch points. Okay. So you might have a cold email strategy, maybe a cold outreach strategy, but you should still have a warm market strategy. So Some people do a warm market strategy where, okay, I'm going to use social media as my place where I'm going to create awareness, build awareness, and then I'm going to move people into maybe a Facebook community and they do it that way. And they're like, okay, I'm going to build this community. I'm going to build rapport. I'm going to get clients this way. I just feel like if the, it's called BOPA. So if anyone wants to write it down, it stands for borrowing other people's audiences. And I'm going to break it down really quick. There's only three ways to grow your business, organic, paid, and BOPAs, okay? So either you're going to pay to get in front of an audience, you're going to spend the time to grow an audience, or you're going to collaborate and borrow someone's audience. If you were to choose which one do you think you should do first, do you have the time? Do you have the money? Do you see? It's like, even here, I'm here with you. You know, we're going to have our own time, you know, for you to come on my platform. I'm here on your platform. This is a boba. This is a boba. There's someone listening to me right now that might say, I like what this lady's saying. And I just got a new follower. There's someone who's going and, and vice versa. That's how this whole thing works. You understand? The only thing difference with the strategy that I'm giving you is you're doing it offline. That's right. So it's more powerful. It's more powerful because on there's so many creeps out here. You don't even know who's truthful and who's not and what they're showing you, what's real. But when I stand in front of you and we get to reach out and touch, there is nothing that you won't be able to read off my body language, off everything, right? And so that's why BOPA is just it's just the most powerful strategy, you know? So I would tell you to implement it right away. You can do it right now. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So getting up and doing what you were saying in terms of like speaking to an audience and even what I recommend, which is like cold pitching, getting on a call with your ideal client and quote unquote selling yourself. That's where a lot of my audience gets really, a lot of my writers get really hung up because I think people who write for a profession, you know, write for a living, they aren't always the most outgoing. They're not always speakers. It's pretty rare to have somebody who's like a prolific author and a great speaker. (laughs) We like to be in rooms quietly writing and researching. So the phone and like the Zoom meetings freak writers out. So Mm -hmm. I know something you specialize in is like crafting marketing messages and telling those stories. What would you say to the introverts out there who are like, I just can't get on a call and do some sleazy sales tactic? Don't sell, just tell your story. That's exactly what it is. 
So even with the presentation framework that I teach, it's really based on storytelling, right? So instead of telling people the seven top tips about writing, you share a story using the example, just so I don't confuse you guys. You share a story of a lawyer who came to you who was frustrated because they couldn't get new clients into the office. And so you help them with writing some, you get what I'm saying? So you just sharing that story is easy. See, as writers, you guys already share stories, right? So that's actually the easy part for you. So if you take the word selling out of your head and put the word sharing in instead, then really what you're doing is just sharing stories of people who you've been able to help with the skill that you have. And from doing that, people are, are sold. Because think about it. If you're, in a, if you're in front of a room full of 13, like I have a, a client who went in front of 13 investors, taught her presentation and signed three clients in that one hour, right? So let's say you're in front of 13 lawyers and you're sharing this story of how you help someone with these, what you're teaching. Are you trying to tell me that you wouldn't get one of those lawyers that would be interested? And now here's where it gets because I know you've heard this before, but here's where it, it gets tricky or where you need to pay attention. If you were to get one lawyer to say yes to you, but you're not charging accordingly, then it wouldn't be worth it. But if you were really charging, meaning instead of charging $100 for an article that you know is worth 500, then getting one person is a $500 sale for you. So it's a two-way thing. It's one, saying, listen, I'm not selling. I'm just sharing stories. I'm just sharing my experiences. And I'm confident because it's my truthful, honest experience that I've been through. It's like talking to my friend. That is how you have to look at it. And then on the other side, you have to believe what you're saying and charge the right price because just one person should be able to help you in your business. If it's not, then that means your, your pricing is not structured correctly. Yeah, that's really key. And that's something I drive home. This is like a big debate in like the freelance copywriting world is that people say, well, you can go about choosing your niche in two ways, going for something that you're just really passionate and interested in, or something that you have some prior experience in. And for me personally, I was somebody who sold software and technology. So I became a technology writer. And when I got on these calls with clients, I would literally just say, you know, I used to sell technology. So I understand like the pain points, but being in those rooms with technology buyers, it really prepared me and, and made me be able to write toward the same audience that you're trying to reach right now. Like that is my elevator pitch that I've used on every single call. And that has gotten me all of my clients. So I, I get a lot of writers who reach out to me and they're like, I don't know how to sell myself. I don't know what my elevator pitch is. I'm afraid to get on these calls. And the, the main source of that fear is because you don't have that compelling story. It doesn't have to be like an epic saga of why you're such a great expert. It's literally just saying, hey, here's why I became interested in this. This was my experience. And this is why I think I'd be a good writer for you. You'd be shocked at how compelling that actually is for a client to hear. But you can't do that if you have absolutely, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's really hard to do that unless you do have some real life experience with the topic, even if you've never written before. If you can just say, listen, I've been in rooms with people who talk that language and I can understand it. 
that's compelling. But some people want to choose a writing niche that literally is like, I, I have no personal experience in it. I just, I think it's cool. And I think that's why people stay stuck longer is choosing that route. I agree. In my framework, our first step in the framework, second step, the first step is the person getting clear on that person. But one of the exercises we do is we go through the captivating story formula because I truly believe that your message and the person who you're supposed to reach, all of it is in your experience, you know? And I think that that's, that's, I that's what is missing. So people are always looking for the solution outside of them, but it's already within you. So going back to what we were talking about with moments, there was a moment that made you decide you wanted to be a writer. There was a moment that made you decide you had an interest in you know, writing in this particular subject matter or whatever, right? And so if you go back to that moment, that moment will actually help you make the decision on who this person is that you're supposed to be writing for and what's the topic you're supposed to be writing on. Now, I just did a live stream this week where I talked about this and I said, listen, if all else fail, and I'm gonna say this to you too, because the reality is that there are some people who will still hear what we are saying right now and are still going to find it challenging to decide what's the best way to go. So for you, my advice is grow as you go. All right. And so what that means is start with what's in front of you. Do you understand? You start with what's in front of you. You start writing small, you know, small pieces and you allow the feeling that you get with these customers and with these pieces to move you into what feels good for you. Because the reality, like I said, the reality is some of you are going to listen. You're going to be like, yes, I got it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to think about my journey, think about my story and figure out what's the best niche for me. But sometimes I've seen it happen where people can't still can't figure it out. Out, you know, not because they haven't tried, but for whatever reason. So that's my advice to those of you. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me about the work you do with your clients and then talk a little bit to, I guess, the doubts and the overwhelm that comes with, I guess, what you've seen with your clients and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. You know, well, for me, I work with two specific people. So one, I love to help coaches with structuring their business, deploying strategies and systems to allow them to grow. And then two, I love to work with service providers who want to get paid more for what you know instead of what you do. And again, that's only because you know my background, being a hair salon owner, taxes, like I've always trade time for dollars. I've always, I grew up in a family that always told me that as long as I knew how to do something with my hands, I'll always be able to make money. But we're in a new world now, right? Where it's not only what you do with your hands, but it's what you know in your head. And so I help you take what you know out of your head and productize that thing in a coaching program that you could get paid, you know, good money. Now, what comes up in terms of doubt for people when we talk about this is, you know, do I have a story to share? Is my story good enough? Why would people listen to me? But I'm new to this, Niala. You know, these are all the what ifs and the limiting beliefs that come up as we start growing a business. And the one thing I'm going to say, matter of fact, two, one, check your surroundings. 
Check your surroundings because a lot of that comes from the fact that you're not around people who's having big business conversations. So you're, you know, and that's okay. If you don't have it in your home, that's why you join a coaching program. That's why you join a mastermind. You guys sometimes think that people are saying that because they're like, oh, you just want me to buy from you. No, it's because we lived it. It's because we know that once we get into these programs and we get into these masterminds, we're now around people who can understand what we're going through when we go through times of doubt, because doubt and fear and all of that resistance, it's always going to be there. I still have it all the time. The thing is that as you continue to grow, you don't, you, you stay in it less. Okay. So what it means is Maybe you have a breakdown, okay? Today is not a good day. You have a breakdown. I got to go in my bed, put the blanket on, I'm done. But as you start to grow in business, that becomes one minute moments. I'm going to go in the bathroom, cry, wipe, and then I'm done. <laughs> you understand? And so it, it becomes lesser because you're around the right people. So first, check your surroundings. Secondly, check, you got, you need a coach. You need a coach. You need to, you need the community, but then you need your person. You need to be held accountable to someone else other than yourself. You need somebody who's been through it before you that could guide you. They, they're not going to stop you from experiencing things. So if you got it in your head that that's what a coach is going to do, take it out right now because you're still going to have the experience. You're just going to feel it less. You're just going to have a better guide to help you maneuver those experiences in a different way. Well, you see where I'm going with that. So your environment, your coach is important. And, you know, it's not that you can't make it without it. I made my first $5,000 online before ever hiring a coach. But that was because, listen, I was relentless, resourceful, all the things that I'm telling you. And I stayed up all night and I was willing to do that. You know, but after that, like I need guidance, you know, there are times even now, I'll give you guys a quick story. At the end of 2022, I do a program called Plan to Profit every year. It's a yearly program. And it basically brings entrepreneurs together to plan out their programs and content and stuff for the next year. So this year, I, I decided to revamp it. It was my sixth annual and, de- and I decided I wanted to make it into a experience. So instead of a online boot camp, I wanted it to be a live event, like a three month incubator and a live event. Hear me out guys. And I'm like going back and forth in my head because I'm like, I don't know if they're going to buy it. I don't know if this is what they're going to want. I don't know if I'm going, Miala, are you making the right decision? You know, I and you would think that I would know these things because, hey, I've been growing this business for a long time, but I was second guessing everything. I text my coach. I said, I need to talk to you. You know, I book an appointment. I get on the phone and I start spitting up everything. And she just in one sentence pulled me together, you know, and made it all make sense for me. And if I wasn't, I I think of it now when I say if I didn't have her to be able to reach out to in those moments when I'm not as confident as everyone expects me to be or everyone thinks that I am all the time, where would I be? Do you understand? And that's what I'm going to say to you. You know, you have a leader here who's, list anybody who has the time to sit and speak to people like me for an hour to bring you content, they're committed, okay? So... You have to get around that. It's, it's, you know, no matter what else, it's just going to be a harder, a harder journey for you. Yeah. I think joining group programs and coaching programs, it, 
it's information that, yeah, maybe you can do on your own, but at a certain point, it doesn't, it doesn't behoove you to piece together a million free pieces of information online. When you have someone who has gone before you, like you said, and actually gives you a linear path so that you can get it done faster because like you, I went into business and started making profit first and then invested into coaches and programs when I could afford it. But it expedites your journey when you join any type of program that has any type of accountability piece. I mean, Mm -hmm. even with like what you were saying with surrounding yourself with people who kind of are like-minded and want the same things, we're living in such a beautiful time where you can find those people anywhere in the world and really feel like you have that community, even though you're not in close proximity to them. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know for me personally, just where I live in the country is not the type of town where online business and digital entrepreneurship, it's not a thing. And a lot of the time when I'm at parties or, you know, family get togethers, they're like, you do what now? An an online course, what Uh, you write, what now for, for what no one really knows like what I do. And if you are looking for that approval in your immediate surroundings of people who don't understand what you do, you're never going to get kind of like that, that understanding that you're looking for. I mean, and I, Related to what you were saying, Niala, with kind of having those doubts as somebody who is like the leader of a business and comes across as confident, because even in my course, there's a live coaching component monthly. And at a certain point, I got really in my head about it. And I'm like, I'm I'm disappointed when I can't help somebody or if I don't know the exact answer to their problem. And I had a mentor say to me, what is it? why is it that you think you need to solve everyone's problems? And why is it that you think you need to have the right answers to everyone who asks you a question? Really go within and sit with that and ask yourself why that's such a big deal for you. And it it made, it made me reflect like, because that's what I do with all of my relationships and yeah. what gets me in trouble is trying to save people, do the work for people, yeah. sacrifice myself. And it's like, when you have someone who can literally just take what you just said and put it right in front of you so that you can examine it, 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 it makes your fears diminish and your, your doubts and all of the circular thinking, it becomes clear. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying with getting that coach and that outside perspective. Yeah. I think also something that you just said was confidence. I feel like as soon as you join a coach or a program, you get instant confidence. Cause now you know that you got skin in the game. Let's be real. You're over there getting on sales calls, trying to sell to people, but you don't even know you ain't been closed on anything. So you don't even know what they're thinking, how to think, you know, take them through it because you're not experiencing it yourself. Another thing that being in these programs do is it exposes you to other stories because now you're hearing from your fellow business owners how they're closing sales, how they're connecting with people, challenges they're facing, tools and resources that you probably never even heard of and you would not hear of because you're not around people who are having these conversations. So it's just benefit all way round. You know, I know that some people feel like, well, look, if you don't have the money then you bought you join a membership that's what i say there is a thing for everyone let there's a place for you everywhere everyone so if you're someone who like i can't afford a coach yet that was my story so you join a membership you know and there are a lot of different memberships you could join for now until you build yourself up 
I think the biggest thing, and I'm, I, you know, I know we're going to be ending soon, but I think this is important to say is I think the biggest thing is that you got to have discipline because sometimes, you know, like using the example of a membership, you may join the membership, but then you're not showing up to calls. You're not executing what you're learning. You're not taking responsibility. See, see, this, this is the stuff mindset. We go right back to it. That it's not just people, people will be there to provide what you need, but you also have to step up to the plate. So if you're going to join a coach, you're going to join a membership or anything, be committed to the process and honor your commitments. So, so key. So many online courses and programs have terrible like show up rates and it's like no one why, can- why pay why it, spend your money that's the thing I think that's the one benefit to me being frugal is that every coaching thing and program and online course that I've invested in I'm like I'm gonna squeeze every dollar <laughs> out of this and finish each module because I'm <laughs> not letting this go to waste yeah I was the same way I'm telling you I'm not was <laughs> I'm still the same way I yeah. want it all like you know, I think the only thing that changed for me over the years is that I now take responsibility because I think in the beginning it was more like, oh, that program wasn't structured for me or like I always found something with the program or the people, you know, but now I'm I'm like, okay, it's me. If I'm going to open up my pocket and make this investment, it's my responsibility to get everything I need to get out of it. So, and yeah, and that's how you have to look at it, guys. I encourage all of you, you know, this is the year of businesses. This is the year where you guys can do so much with the skill set that you have. You just have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And you also have to have that tunnel vision, you know, comparing yourself looking at other people's journey, thinking yours is going to look the same, you know, detach yourself from the outcome and enjoy this experience that you are walking into. I love it. You're such like a motivational person and not in like the, the typical way of like, oh, rah, rah, but like, you just have an energy that like, oh, thank you. (laughs) I always like when I'm talking to people or interviewing people, I always am focused on how I feel and like the energy I get from someone. And I just feel very like awake and. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. You must do incredible work. Tell everyone where they can find you and if they want to work with you and consume your content, all that. Yeah. So you can find me um, at market your message everywhere. So don't matter the platform, market your message. My name is Neola Thorpe. So sometimes you might see my name around too, but market your message is the company. And I like to meet people in my Facebook community. So you can go to joinneola.com and it's called the Female Coaches Society. It's filled with over 6,000 female coaches and service providers because I work with service professionals too. So even writers, I don't, you know, this is not what I do with writers to say that's my specialty. But if you provide a service, I can help you make some real money. And, you know, this is the place to come to be because it's so many women in there that need writers. So I think that's important for me to say is that my when you come to the community, it's called the Female Coaches Society Connections, Collaborations, community because that's what we're about so when you come into the community you may find your next client you may find your next hire you may find your next biz bestie that's what you come for you're not coming to be sold to 
and you're not coming to sell. You're coming to grow as a CEO. So join Neola.com. Oh my gosh. I will be joining that and I will link to that below. So everyone can join Facebook groups have so much value and have been such a game changer in terms of just learning. Like everyone's talking about chat GPT and how it's going to take over Google, but I believe when I really want to know something, I'm like, what are people saying about this? And if you can find a Facebook group where people are talking about a topic, it is like a treasure trove. <laughs> I'm definitely going to join, but yeah, thank you so much for and taking the time. And I'm definitely hoping to collaborate with you. I feel like we can do a whole other episode on like a million other topics yeah. <laughs> briefly touched on here, but yeah. <laughs> thank thank you, so you for much. having me and thanks everyone. <laughs> <laughs>